again. Welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza from the Coliseum where we have just witnessed West Virginia get its second ever win in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. The 14th ranked Mountaineers defeat Missouri. 74 to 51. Unusual game. Had a couple of swings of momentum. Some big runs on both sides. But at the very end, West Virginia caps off a pretty compelling week with another one-sided win and here to help me wade through it all is chris anderson chris welcome back and would you have forecast conversations like this that i think are going to be pretty optimistic pretty enthusiastic about this team um just a week ago when obviously the story was very different obviously yeah a week ago was not great on the court but i I do feel like you and i both were were a couple of the few uh people out there that weren't entirely down on this team after that game. I think both of us thought maybe that was the anomaly. And here we are back with West Virginia playing, you know, big 12 contender, sweet 16, final four, maybe better um, kind of ball. And, and today was good, but let's also remember, and not to put a damper on this game on the very beginning of this podcast, but Missouri is not a good team. West Virginia should have beat the living daylights out of them. Um, They are a, Middle to bottom of the barrel SEC team. This is a win that West Virginia should have. It should have been by 20 points. So let's not get too, too excited. Just like we shouldn't have got too, too down after last week. We have a couple of topics we'll hit here. Favorite stats, favorite performances, things like that. But I want to be in the here and now for a second here. Um, It's stepping out of conference play. And you could tell that Missouri had a hard time adjusting to exactly what West Virginia is. Um, Probably believes the hype right now. But I think for a while didn't and then got used to it, and then kind of was overcome by the reality of it. But West Virginia's next two opponents are very interesting to me. Uh, Wednesday night at Texas Tech, where it was a massacre last year. And Texas Tech's not a great matchup for West Virginia, but plays a ton like West Virginia. And then that's followed by a week from today at home against Kansas State. I have a feeling it's going to be a very festive crowd here, too. But we learned a lot this week. I would imagine what we talk about a week from today is going to be no less reflective of the here and the now, but also the future for this team, too. Yeah, that, that I think, would be a statement game. I think the Kansas State one in particular. I think Hoggins is going to kind of bring that up, of course, with his players and really kind of call them out. Like if I don't want to say call out their manhood, but if, if you're not going to come out with some excitement, with some intensity, uh, with revenge on your mind for that game next uh, next Saturday, uh, that'll tell you a lot about this team. And I, I think I would fully expect West Virginia to really come out guns blazing for that one. Maybe in a fighting spirit. <laughs> Maybe. I think you're going to get that at Texas Tech because I'm looking at the final score. That was only a 12-point game. It felt like it was a lot different. I felt like West Virginia had that one from start to finish. It's going to be different when you go there. And obviously, um, when Kansas State comes here, that's going to be – I think there's going to be revenge on the mind there. I also have no reason to believe otherwise, and yet no reason to say this is true. I don't have proof, but I'm almost positive that Bob Huggins hates losing to Bruce Weber. I just think he hates that. And he probably wants that one for multiple reasons, but most especially because um, – don't think he very much cares for being on the wrong side of that coaching matchup and he has a chance to get it right with his crowd and i do think though that maybe he owes at least the people who were in purple a debt of gratitude because a resounding week here um 
just obliterates Texas, which may be something that a lot of people are going to do from here on out. But 97 to 59, one-sided. This one here, 23 points is the final margin. West Virginia is going to be like a top 15 team in scoring margin before long here, which is kind of crazy when you consider they couldn't put teams away before. Um, so that's pretty interesting to see them learn how to you know go foot to throat on some stuff. What do you think was, I don't know, uh, a takeaway from Kansas State that helped them this week? Or what do you think is maybe um, something that they're better at now than they were before because of these two games? The thing that really stood out to me most with maybe more so this game, today's game against Missouri, was the play of Jermaine Haley. Uh, A lot more consistent, a lot more kind of the all-around player that I was – expecting and that that I believe other people expect of him 15 points nine rebounds the 32 minutes was the most minutes he's played since game three I believe it was was that Nichols or or no northern Colorado Mm -hmm. um, all the way back in early November so and and it really hasn't been close I mean some of his game logs in recent days recent games have been 17 minutes 12 minutes 16 minutes and then a, a resounding 32 minutes today and as Bob Huggins put it after the game. They the players decide their playing time, not him, and he's not playing people because his quote was, "I'm not playing them because I like them. I'm playing them because they produce." And to me, that tells me that you know, Jermaine Haley did the right things today. And let's go all the way back to our, I think it was before the season started when we did a podcast, and you asked me a great question of pick five players uh, or. Pick one person, and you have to duplicate them five times. Who's the best <laughs> five-man team? And we both ended up with the same two. And I picked Haley, and you picked Matthews. And I think this is why, because I think this is what we can expect from him, is this all-around good player that is a matchup problem on offense, that is a matchup problem on defense, and, and can do just about everything for your team. Let's talk about my pick. Um because, again, yours is fine. Haley was 6 for 10 last game and against Texas, 4 for 7 today. Got to the line six times, too, but, again, 15 points, nine rebounds, two assists, three steals. That's what he's supposed to do. Maybe not to those extremes every game, but fill it up like that. That's fine. Everybody cut up the paper for the ticker tape parade on Monday when Matthews had eight points. And you and I talked about this, too. Um, didn't need him in the second half of that game, so it wasn't a big deal. He didn't get to, say, double figures, but – only took three shots. He got eight points. Uh, his numbers today, 0 for 1, 0 for 1, 1 for 2. Uh, he finishes with one point, one rebound, and nothing else. He only played uh, 10 minutes and 29 seconds. I don't feel like he's out of the woods. I wrote a story where I was very careful not to say he's back. He said the slump was gone, um, and I even asked him about that to the tone of, it's a pretty bold statement for somebody who had eight points and three shots because he wasn't taking shots. And his explanation was, I'm not taking shots because we're doing quite good. Hard to argue with that. But this is a starter and a focal point of what you're doing on offense, I think. But more and more, I look out on the floor and it's three guards with two bigs or it's two guards and Haley playing the three. So still almost three guards. But I'm wondering if he's continuing to lose. Um, and more importantly, can he get it back? And I don't know right now because – um, again, this wasn't exactly a lapper. This turned into one, but they really needed somebody for some points or productivity in the middle portion of this game, and it didn't come from him. Which is a shame because I think the idea of having Haley and Matthews, both legitimate six, seven wing type players on the court at the same problem, is 
is, is a coach's dream just to have that, to be able to, to rotate or uh, switch those guys around on defense to have mismatches on offense. But I, I, and I think maybe, I don't want to say Hogan's kept him out there too long, but uh, earlier in the season, um, but I'm, it's really been bad. Yeah, like you said, uh, the eight points was that really out of the slump? Uh, the last time he scored double digits was Nichols back um, over a month ago, and, and that was you know not a very good team. Is I'm, I'm looking for the Spanish Emmett Matthews is what I'm looking for because that guy, <laughs> that one that was bouncing to the rim, driving to the hoop, and and doing all these things, kind of just flying through the air, and I feel like we're not seeing that. In this this season, Osaboyan continues to impress. Again, another guy who had a great impact on the game, and he didn't make a basket, and he was two for four at the line. But you're looking at again two points, eh, but twelve rebounds, two assists, two steals. It's kind of like what he does. It's it's again and again like this. But something else to look at too. And this is kind of happening every game now. Six or seven one day and five today. But uh, he draws fouls. Five today, which is kind of important because um, I don't know, if you're going to play those two big guys and one of them goes to the bench, you really don't want to give the other team a break for foul trouble. You're going to wear out uh, their other opponents. And today he puts five fouls on their big guys, and he's doing this four, five, six, seven every game, it seems like, too. Um, just another contribution of his in the stat sheet. It just relentless. It's all about that energy. Every time he gets the ball, especially in the offense at the top of the key, he's not a threat to shoot outside, and he just drives to the basket. He makes – makes the defense make a play and if i were you know if i were coaching the other team i tell him to continue to lay off him um but he, as you noted earlier this week his offense has gotten better so you kind of have to get up on him and once you get on him and he's coming at you full steam it's a 50 50 call of, of a foul or a shot or maybe you charge um and right now he's getting the calls and drawing the fouls and sometimes that's good offense sometimes that helps you're right, relentless. And again, you can't get a break if you think that number one or 34 are going to the bench and they're not going to go to the post or maybe your big can survive a couple minutes without fouling. Um, he does not agree with that, and he's been pretty good. They out-rebounded Missouri by 20 today, and he was a leading rebounder with 12. Um, it's kind of a weird player. Again, doesn't do anything great. He does a lot of things really good, and he's he's really good at what he's good at. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, it's kind of fun to, to figure out. Um, 20 to 6 was the score in the middle of the first half, and it was 24-23 to 23 at halftime. What happened? Uh, got careless with the ball. Huggins mentioned that. Uh, right, right after it went to 26, I think two of the next three or four possessions were both turnovers. They also tried to kind of force it in the post, which can be good at times. But with today, it was just not Culver's day. He's, he has an issue where he gets – when he's getting the ball in the post, he's made up his mind – on what he's going to do before the defense even does anything. He's decided he's going to pass it or he's going to shoot it. So, And you can tell as soon as he gets the ball, if you go back and watch him, um, he will get the ball, and if he's going to shoot it, he's already backing his man down, looking down towards the, the ball as he's dribbling it, ready to make a move. When he passes the ball, he catches it in the post or, or the out from the post a little bit, and kind of relaxes, kind of comes out of his stance and stands up a little bit and looks over his shoulder. And sometimes that's a, that's great. Uh, like, for instance, that pass to Chase Harler mm -hmm. uh, when Harler cut from the back back wing and got right next to the basket and he hit him. 
Um, other times it's not because it's almost just like a guessing game between what the defense is going to do rather than reacting to what the defense is going to do. He's almost guessing. And I think if he could just slow down, take his time, goes with his free throws, with his play in the post, he, he would increase his, you know, efficiency when they get the ball to him down in the basket, down in the post. Doesn't do a very good job getting away from pressure. It's kind of a weird thing, but I mean, that's also kind of the key to post play too. Um, what are you doing? Uh, well, let's see. They have Sunday off. What are you doing Monday? I'm going hard Monday. I'm can going. You, it's can you get Sunday up here off. and teach him about free throws? <laughs> I don't think six. so. I and and now we've gotten to the point where it, it's gone because he's he's still not being entirely consistent. And there was in between one of his two shots, it was in the second half when he was shooting a pair of free throws and he missed the first one. And I could have told you right away that he was going to miss the second one because he's standing there. He's cursing under his breath. He's swinging, like kind of punching at the ball when the ref passes it to him, like slamming it in the ground and he's mad. It's over with. It was over. It was over before he ever even stepped to the line. He was not making that one. Um, it was in his head today, and there was no coming back from that. I wonder if Huggins would call a thirty between his time or between his free throws, just to give him a break and slow down and say, "Hey, listen, <laughs> count to ten here and get your free throw uh, under order." I think I know the sequence you're talking about too. And what was interesting there was he missed the second one badly. He really loafed on defense and got beat down the floor by uh, Reed Nico, and then he realized what had happened. And when it happened, when the pass hit Nico in the paint, Huggins gesture down to the bench and got somebody big up. I'm not sure who it was because I was trying to watch the game. And Culver responded by taking two big strides and blocking the shot at the rim. Um, I felt like for a guy who was two for 10 from the floor and missed all of his free throws, that doesn't look like it was very good. But, uh, man, he played hard and he played fast. And he played like he was supposed to save that one stretch where he kind of pulled it out of the ditch pretty fast. And um, you don't like for effort with that guy. No. And he was out there, you know, foul trouble was a problem early. And but Huggins made a good point after the game that he put him back in with 18 minutes left in the second half and three fouls and just told him, you got to learn to play with three fouls. And I think especially once you get to Big 12 tourney play and NCAA tournament time, there are going to be games, hopefully multiple games, where Derek Culver and or Oscar Sheway are in foul trouble and they are going to have to be out there because West Virginia is going to need them. So I think today was good for that because he did go out there. He went back out there with 18 minutes left in the game and did not pick up another foul. Yep. Kind of made them play, made Missouri play a little bit, but they're not used to. Um, they've been starting three forwards lately and did not do that tonight. And they played Alex Okungo, who doesn't play very much. He played him eight minutes. Um, they brought Kobe Brown off the bench. He'd been starting because they had to space out their bigs a little bit. That's kind of what West Virginia does. It's unusual. They make you play. They almost make you play with your offhand a little bit, so to speak, like what you're not good at or what you're not used to. And, man, you see big guys like that, and you're like, oh, whatever, they're big. But, you know, hey, we have big guys. But the difference between Missouri's big guys and West Virginia's two big guys, um, foot speed, agility, athleticism, is is pretty apparent when you start running up and down the floor. It was kind of one-sided to see. So not uh, not too surprising. Uh, one more. We'll go here. Um, well, two things. Uh, Hardler? <laughs> Had an amazing day. One for three. He makes a layup. He misses a three. He misses another jumper. Um, played 20 minutes. I mean, did nothing really of import either way, offensively or defensively. He was plus 26. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I have and no then, idea. Uh, boy, we got to keep an eye on this, too, don't we? Brandon Apert, one minute, one shot, missed a three. Um, and I 
believe he fouled. I'm not, no, he did not foul. But again, one minute. This is after not playing it on the last game. Um, a bit of a, of a situation on the bench against Texas. Huggins said he hadn't um, just hadn't shot very well when we asked him what's up with Napper on um, on Friday, and just said that he's got to get back to the way he was earlier in the year. It sounds like Napper was maybe content in the role he had before he started to play more and score more, and perhaps something changed when he did start to play and score more, and his performance didn't stay at the level it was at, and now his playing time has kind of plummeted as well, too. But, boy, they need that other guard with the bench, don't they? Yeah. Uh, as you say, they one minute, and that was in the first half, even once the game got out of reach in the second half. Um, did not call on Napper to go into the game, which tells me more than anything. Um Sometimes you got to read between the lines, especially when Huggins is uh, Huggins is making comments out in the post game. Again, did not mention names, but talked about guys uh, pouting on the bench about their playing time, and that was when he gave his speech about you know not he doesn't determine playing time they do and and what they do on the court. Um, so I think he's sending a message, of course, and we'll see what how Napper responds. Yeah, he's not talking about Logan Rout there. He's not talking about Spencer Mackey. Those are the only two guys who played uh, a comparable amount of minutes, and they will play significantly more than Napper. So, um, again, they were good when he was good, and they're good right now without him. Can he keep up? Um, well, he'd like to have that because he can get in the paint. He and McBride are probably the two guards who can get in the paint and get their shots, but also distribute. If you take away one of them, um, you lose a little punch there too. Anything else, Chris? No, that's it. I – I am uh, ready to turn my focus to football recruiting again. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, who knows, we might already have updates up. Obviously, a ton of um, big-time recruits on campus. I think at last count we had at least five four-star recruits visiting for junior day on Saturday. Um, and some of them should be leaving this afternoon and evening, and, and we'll have some updates on that. So I'm kind of turning my focus to there, since, especially since we got a little bit of a break before – the next game, Wednesday, a Wednesday game this week. Well, hopefully the recruits don't have to sign NDAs before losing campus. <laughs> but that's all for this time. We will talk to you next time for earsports.com. I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.